Your Lending Era, the podcast where we dive into the world of residential, business and commercial finance, bringing you expert insight, tips and strategies to help you navigate the intricate landscape of lending in Australia. Hi guys, and welcome back to a new episode of Your Lending Era. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica, and in today's episode, we're going to discuss the the market of people who flip property for a profit. So here with me today, we have Trilogy Funding's Managing Director, David Thomas. Hi, Jess. Hi, Dave. And we also have financial strategist, Hope Westbury. Hey, Jess. Hi, guys. How are we feeling today? Yeah, good. Good. Ready for another week? Fun topic. Yeah. Yeah, This is a fun topic because people are passionate about it. Mm. They're you know, they've watched the block uh, and this is their chance to um, kind of relive their dream of uh, of buying, renovating and selling. Every time I've watched the block, I've been like, next season, I'm going to apply. That looks so fun. I'm into it. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen a single episode of the block. Oh, I'll make yeah. it onto it's it. It's not my thing. I don't really do free to air. That's right. We'll take you on a journey in the next 15 minutes. You'll be fine. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So let's start off here with exactly the definition for house flipping. So it's not when you're sitting at the traffic lights flipping someone off. What is a house flipping? (laughs) No, it's not that. Um, So flipping is essentially buying an asset, Mm -hmm. hopefully making some improvements to it, and then ultimately selling it for a profit. Okay. So it's literally just buy, renovate, sell. Yeah. Hopefully you make money. And hopefully you make a profit, although it it doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start running through just some of the probably the ins and outs of what you need to be doing as a professional flipper. And I know some of these probably aren't covered on your mainstream media produced shows. I mean, the first one would be around the finance piece. Correct. The If the block was this detailed, it would be extremely boring and no <laughs> one would ever watch it. But the first thing, you, you know, failing to... to plan is planning to fail. The first thing that you've got to do is, uh, A, work out your appropriate finance. You know, how much can you borrow? How are we going to get hands on money to do the renovation? Um, You know, what are our purchasing costs? Um, You know, what's the taxation look like? Um, What's the renovation budget? Um, Doing the market research to make sure we find the correct property in the correct area and we're actually going to be able to find a buyer Mm -hmm. um, at the end and be able to find a buyer that's prepared to pay, you know, a margin that helps you make money on the way through. So um, it's all really, I think you set it out from the, right from the start. It's, it's doing your numbers, um, sitting down with some detailed information um, and really kind of just working it all through before you attend an auction or make an offer. Um, you need to know how you're going to get into the transaction, mm-hmm. um, how you're going to conduct the transaction and how you're going to get out of the transaction yeah. um, and what the end result is is going to look like. I so. think some people just buy like the worst house on the best street and they're like, this is going to be great. Yeah. And that's just a hope, you know, um, you really got to kind of begin with the end in mind, you mm-hmm. know, who's your end buyer? Um, yeah. You know, what do they want? Um, and can you deliver what they want? Yeah, in a short yeah. period of time too. In a short period of time. And buying a bad house and renovating does not guarantee that you'll make money, as Hope said. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, no, it's no guarantee at all. Now, on that researching the market piece, is there anything that people can kind of tap into resource-wise to make sure they get the right property? Yeah, they can. And there's people that specialise in, in this sort of area that they can, if it was me doing it, I would definitely reach out to these people that specialise in, in flipping properties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also really important to um, look at where specifically you're going to do this. So mm-hmm. which city are you in? Um, is the property in an area that someone's going to want to live in? Yeah. Um, is it close to hospitals and schools and things that people are you know, looking for when they're 
they're buying a property. So there's so many different things to consider, but that's where speaking to a professional, I think, is really valuable when you're looking to do this. Okay, and what would the professionals be in this space that someone could do a quick Google of? So um, get on your old Instagram because there's lots of buyers agents and yep. there's lots of kind of property mentors that specialise in this space. They run courses and do seminars. Know, they do seminars and yep. they do you know mentoring programs uh, that you can you know follow along with mm-hmm. and then kind of you know build up your skill set um, so you can you know pick up a paintbrush and get stuck in it. <laughs> Away you go. The old three birds renovation. I yeah. love those girls. Okay. <laughs> and just quickly, I, I heard you just use the term buyer's agent. Now, I've seen a lot of this on Instagram. It may just be that it's a friendlier term, but a buyer's advocate and buyer's agent, one and the same? Two different things. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So buyer's advocate is probably going to help you buy a new property yep. paid by a developer. Mm-hmm. Buyer's agent uh, is going to help you buy an established property okay. um, and they are remunerated by you Directly. by the way of a, a fixed fee. Yeah. Okay, so the buyer's agent in a flipping sense would probably be more appropriate without Correct. a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> that's who we want to look for. I've you know had properties purchased via buyer's agents for me in the past mm-hmm. and I've also um, had those same buyer's agents organise you know, small renovations, um, not to flip and sell but to, to find the right tenant. Um, but buyer's agents do help in this space. Um, buyer's agents usually have a rent roll that's connected to them and within that rent roll they need a whole heap of you know property maintenance style people to help maintain the properties so they have these connections. Connections already in built. Okay, and let's talk a little bit about, as we've been touching on, the profit. So what really is the recipe to make sure that you are working towards that profit? I think working towards the desired profit is just working backwards. Okay, Mm -hmm. so come up with some numbers uh, that would work. Um, Usually, look, a lot of people, there's a lot of different methodologies, but I usually say the basic one is whatever you paid for the property, a a simple renovation budget of of 10% um, usually puts you on track um, to make a good profit. And the reason being is that just kind of all comes together with the numbers. So if you buy a property for for X, your purchasing costs are probably 5%. Um, If you spend 10% on the renovations and then 3% to sell it, Therefore, anytime you make a, you know, you buy and sell for 30% more, you've made some money. Yeah, okay. Really hard to buy a property and sell it for 100% more or, or really hard to buy a property and sell it for 50% more. Um, so, you know, because within an area, you've got to remember your buyer knows the area. Um, they, they want, they know all the statistics of the area. They also know what you paid for the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just go over the top, um, you're really going to struggle to to move it on later on down the track. Yeah. So you've really got to try and make sure that you set out a nice list of what is going to be minimal cost, maximum inca- impact, sorry. Correct. So bang for your buck, um, you know, and start with the usual carpet, paint, curtains, yeah. um, and then cabinetry mm-hmm. after that, and then livability. Kitchen, bathroom. Yeah, kitchen, yeah. bathroom, and livability. So. Okay. And in terms of doing these works, this is where we see a lot of people's budgets slip up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So obviously you don't want to overcapitalise and go nuts, as Dave has just touched on, um, but you do want the work that's done to be at a really high quality because that's mm-hmm. going to ensure that we get make a really good return on the work that we've done. Yeah. Um, in Canberra, it's full of tradies, so if you're someone that's done this and all your mates are tradesmen, then that's great. Maybe they'll give you a hand. Um, but I think, as I said just before, it's, it's important to engage people that know what they're doing yeah. um, and you are going to need to pay for it. It's not going to be free um, unless your mates are coming over and you're having a barbecue afterwards. (laughs) Um, That would be great. But yeah. 
I always say to people when they're doing that kind of math and numbers, like Hope said, even if they, you know, in part of the transaction, they're like, oh, yeah, my brother's an electrician, my other brother's a plumber, we're going to do it all together. Um, You own the asset. So in your math and numbers, you should always be quoting up all of your renovations at a retail price, mm-hmm. right? If there's some things that you can do yourself, like you, you can paint yourself, well, great. Amazing. Uh, that'll save you some money. Um, if someone else can come and help you and provide, you know, cheap plumbing or cheap electrical or whatever, that's great. Um, but we can't rely on all of your friends um, coming and doing charity work for you so <laughs> you can make money when you flip the house. Um, you know, that that. That's a pretty you know short-term goal. And if they don't come to help, well, then you're in a whole heap of trouble. So um, in your math and numbers, always cost it up at full retail. And then if you manage to save some money along the way, that's just going to be profit for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And in terms of setting that realistic timeline, David, what would you say is the ideal timeline that a flipper, a professional flipper would be working towards? Most of our clients that play in this space, it's three months start to finish. See, that's like, that's quick. That's too quick for me. <laughs> ha- but it has to be that quick. And the reason that it is, is if, you play, if you're going to play in this space, you need to, uh, first things first, you need to get early occupation, mm-hmm. all right? Um, even if it's just to get trades to quote, because um, you've got to have all your joinery. If you're going to do windows, you have, you have windows, you need to, you know, get your carpets ordered or whatever you're going to put in it. Um, and you need to start to scope out, okay, well, what do I actually need to do by bathroom, kitchens, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and you need to have most of your materials ordered day one, right? So day one, when you walk in, production, you know, it's a it's a construction site. Game not, time. We're not trying to work out what we're going to do the day we settle. We've, we've already worked that out. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then realistically, uh, getting everything done within the three months uh, and then getting the, the, getting the property to market. And the reason it's got to be that quick, if you are going to flip it, is if you think about you buy a million, let's say you've got a million dollars invested in one of these properties, current interest rates for investment properties is six and a half percent, right? Yeah. So that is, you know, on, on that, you have six odd thousand dollars in interest. You're already in the renovation phase. You've racked up $18,000 worth of interest. And then in the phase to sell it, um, you might sell it in 45 days at an auction and then have a 45-day settlement. Well, there's another 90 days. Yeah. So, you know, you're already out to 160 days for the project. Um, you've torn through another $18,000 in interest. You're, you're up to kind of, you know, $34,000 in capitalised interest along the way. And um, so that is a cost that needs to be factored in. And mm. the quicker you get in and out, the lower your interest costs are going to be. Yeah. And I think something that a lot of people, I know myself, I don't really ever look at kind of the auction campaign and the sale campaign that goes into these things. You just see, oh, wow, they've done a marvellous renovation. But what is kind of the next step once the reno is done or when you're preparing to finish up? I think it's important to engage a sales agent really early because then as soon as, as you just said, Jess, as soon as it's nearly done, um, we've got the, um, the property online, it's for sale, the marketing campaign's all done mm-hmm. um, and it's ready to go so that it's not being held for longer than it needs to be. Yeah, okay. And the peripheral services around that, um, so getting a lawyer, drafting up the contract for the mm-hmm. sale, get that done really quickly. Um, if you've done some renovations, you've moved some things around, you're going to need potentially um, a building inspection to sell it here in the ACT, but the building inspection may get held up because of some of the works that you've done. Yes. So getting your building inspector in there early as well. Um, and the other one that I usually voice to clients, and they always cringe when I say this, is and a property manager. 
And they're like, yeah, but I don't need a property manager. I'm going to sell it. And I'm like, yep. And if you don't sell it within a certain period of time, what is that period of time? Because I would rather rest the property mm-hmm. um, than sell it at a loss. Um, and the best way to rest a property is get some rent. So it, it's, you know, it puts tears in your eyes yeah. <laughs> to, to go through that, you know, all that hard work to then not sell it within 40 or 60 days and yeah. then have to put a tenant in it for 12 months and then take it back to market. Um a hard decision to make, mm-hmm. but just imagine you tried to flip one of these and you couldn't sell it in October 2019 and you had to rest it for 12 months. Yeah. Um, You'd be pretty happy. <laughs> you would have been really happy. So, yeah. um, so don't always get so deep in the transaction that you're like, I've got to sell, I've got to sell, I've got to sell. Mm-hmm. Plan a plan B, right? So what what is your escape route from this? if it doesn't sell when you take it to market. I've had you know plenty of clients that have done developments or construction or done flips that haven't panned out. Um, and you, you never want to sell a loss, right? No. Good property always goes up in value. If you can't get your money now, you might have to just wait until the future. Yeah. Um, so think about putting a tenant in it. Um, and if you've got a good property manager that's standing by, they might have some likely tenants that have been looking for something in that area and you can get it leased up pretty quick. I suppose the disappointment would come from like the whole idea of flipping is that it's done quickly and mm. then it's on to the next one. And I guess if you're holding it and putting a tenant in it, then that just defeats the whole purpose and the intent of how this person is set out. But at least if you've got a tenant in there, you're alleviating some interest costs and then you might even mm. sell it for more later. So yeah, and then that, it's not too bad. That segues into the next thing that Jess is about to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm not an accountant, but if, you, if you're doing it as a flip, and we're doing it in that 30 days settling up within six months, uh, sorry, uh, within three months settling up in six, um, there is different tax laws if you've actually held it for more than 12 months. So if you yeah. do put a tenant in it, rent it out and then sell it, um, it's capital gains tax, not not profit. So um, different tax rules apply. Yeah, it's yeah. almost an incentive to hold it for a little bit longer, isn't it? Sometimes, yes. Turns out to be a lot better. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so now let's just jump into a quick little round robin, if we will. So we're just going to chat a little bit about the the key takeaways from this. So if you're going to take six things away from anything we've said today, let it be this. So let's kick us off, Dave. What is your top thing to remember? Do your numbers early and mm-hmm. know exactly what your numbers are. Know how you're going to get into the transaction. Know how you're going to get out of the transaction and know what you can afford to borrow. Yep. No point undertaking this if we're going to run out of funds uh, halfway through. And that sort of leads me on to my one, which would be set yourself up for success with cash flow, um, set a renovation budget and project uh, profit. Yeah, okay. And on the back of the projection of profit, mine would be know the location you're buying in and try and keep your heart out of the transaction. As we've just said, it it can be hard if you're so heavily invested in this, um, but try and look at it as a business decision and make very black and white decisions about the transaction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think weigh up the value of the renovation and and the value of the property growth that you're trying to... um, to create mm-hmm. um, and just have those numbers clear in your mind. I'm going to spend X and my you know, anticipated sale price is Y and then my margin is the, the balance in between. And you know, make sure, as you said before, make sure in that market that you think you can sell it for Y when yeah. the time comes. And speaking of margins, that probably leads me on to my next one, um, which would be maintaining your regular employment, especially if you're self-employed during this 
hopefully three month um, <laughs> time frame. Um, it's uh, if you were trying to do it yourself and if you were trying to run a business at the same time. Obviously, you can't be everywhere at once, so yes. one is going to lack. I think it's just about finding that balance of you know still running your business, still getting the renovations done, yeah. um, and ticking along nicely with both. Yeah, particularly from a lending perspective, because if you want to do this in 12 months time again and you've taken six months off work to focus on the reno, you kind of have shot yourself in the foot, haven't you? Yeah, because obviously your income's going to take a big hit and the bank's going to see that the next year on your tax returns and financials. And yeah, it's going to tell uh, a story. Okay, and the final top thing to remember here is get some advice. Um, I know it's David's favourite thing to say it's is like get Jess some is advice. Jess is my little protege at the moment. I She's am. repeating what I say. It's finally sinking in. And look, <laughs> and look, the advice that we're talking about in this piece is anything from a tax agent, make sure your accountant is aware of what you're planning to do. I definitely probably wouldn't do any kind of house flipping without engaging an accountant. I probably wouldn't do the MyGov returns myself on this one. Um, <laughs> I would also definitely say get in touch with a licensed real estate agent early, um, whether that be for the sale costs, the leasing at the back end, or whether it be to do market research at the front end. Generally speaking, they should know the area that you're wanting to buy in and may be able to help in, in some sense, not as much as a buyer's agent, but to a degree. Um, and then finally, obviously, making sure that your numbers actually work with a bank, whether it be via visiting the branch or talking to your broker, you need to verify what you want to do as a possibility because if you spend three months on this pipe dream and David comes along and says oh your hex debt's actually really large that's going to limit your numbers you'll be shattered mm. <laughs> absolutely shattered and David doesn't like to do that at all do you David no I'm a nice guy and I like to help clients not um not shattered no, dreams <laughs> I'm a nice I'm guy, a nice guy. <laughs> okay well thank you David and Hope for uh, running through this one today it was actually quite a fun little topic this this flipper it was something a little bit different yeah mm. yeah and it's a passion project for some people yeah um so yeah it's great to have a chat about it Beautiful. Well, as always, thank you very much for joining us today. If you do have any questions at all or would like to get in touch, our website is trilogyfunding.com.au. You can lodge an online inquiry there. Um, and David Hope or one of our other team members will get in touch to chat all things finance. Would love to. Beauty. Thanks, guys. Nice. Great. Thanks, Thanks Jess. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land this podcast is being recorded, the Ngunnawal people. We pay our respects to the elders of the Ngunnawal people, both past and present.